corporate greed during the 1980s. All of you people out there still don't believe that you can be bought. Everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. With his flashy wardrobe and trademark laugh, DiBiase never missed an opportunity to poke fun at the less fortunate. He's going to fight his own daddy for a public pool, huh? We'll see how public it is. I think we can find something wrong with the pool today, don't you? I'll be right back. Now, get these rats out of the water. If you can dribble this basketball 15 times, I'm going to give you $500. Well, 13, 14. Whoops! Oh. Always believing that money could buy happiness. I'm here! DiBiase decided to create the most illustrious championship belt that money could buy. It's mine, the most magnificent belt ever created, and it's mine. Something that will show the entire wrestling world just how truly great I really am. <laughs> To rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah! Hell yeah! Quick, quick, quick. Strawberry banana. Hey, please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Ah! <laughs> Their defense is atrocious. atrocious. I'm sort of the rock star. Right on the cowboy! People, Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. Yeah, we love China, we love no playing there. Oh, man, oh, man. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. it's just hitting me right now. Shut up and listen. You, you think you're better than me? <laughs> okay, so we are picking up following the promos. Yeah, we have Mr. Perfect, Tugboat, and then it cuts back to Monsoon and Piper in the booth. Everybody at the top of their game, ready for the Royal Rumble. The prestige of winning it, Hot Rod, is tremendous. I don't know if I can take it. You don't know if you can take it I, This has been the greatest, greatest pay-per-view event I have ever been at. And I am truly excited. And the best is just yet to come. We got all 30 of the toughest guys you've ever seen in your life. Was Piper's uh, shirt this un- untucked at the beginning of the uh, unbuttoned? I think, it's, I think it's getting a little... Little progressively untucked. Yeah, he's as getting the night pretty sloppy on. here. Yeah, <laughs> it's been it's been untucked, but I think it's the the gap at the bottom where it meets the belt um, is getting wider and wider. Um, <laughs> I think so, so, so yeah, they're talking about uh, you know Piper saying how this is the greatest Royal Rumble he's ever been a part of, yada yada, and then they start talking about the upcoming match between. DiBiase and Virgil and Dusty and Dustin Rhodes. You know, Hot Rod, we got coming up the big tag team matchup. Virgil, the henchman of the million dollar man, are joining forces, of course, against Dusty and Dustin Rhodes. Blood definitely thicker than money, Hot Rod. And I understand you had lunch with Virgil today. Yeah, we just had a little din din, shared some skim milk, talked about life, talked about pride, talked about what money cannot buy, talked about how we sat there and and instead of leaving a million dollar tip, just said thank you, and then we walked to our cars. I'm sure that uh, you instilled a lot of things into Virgil that he, ah, before that time, did not have. Friendly right now, let's take you to Sean Mooney. It's so crazy to me, but this is definitely something that I that I never like picked up on as a kid. 
and that I didn't really remember at all until going back and watching this. Um, but there's this weird, like, sort of sub um, storyline um, leading up to this match where um, it's like kind of subtle. Like they don't really like make a big deal of it, but it's it sort of seems like just like kind of like you know the usual banter between Monsoon and Piper. But Monsoon um, uh, notes that uh, Hot Rod had had lunch with Virgil um, just earlier that day. Um, And Hot Rod... Now, it's kind of confusing because first Monsoon says uh, that they had lunch, and then Hot Rod says, yeah, we just had a little din-din. So I'm not really (laughs) sure exactly. I mean, if it was, you know... I'm pretty sure my my brothers and I talked about dinner as din-din. Like, that's so weird that, like, he was literally using the same, like expressions as like an eight yeah. old but whatever. yeah he he refers to having some din din um which is already a little confusing since it, presumably <laughs> it was much earlier during the day um since this match is happening at you know around dur- dinner time yeah, maybe uh, some anyway. kind of parochialism yeah whatever yeah. um he also notes that they shared some skim milk obviously um i believe this is now the third or fourth reference to skim milk um <laughs> on this telecast uh by piper um and so then piper kind of goes into like the a little bit more detail of this um you know social engagement that he had with Virgil earlier in the day he says they talked about life talked about pride yeah. talked about what money cannot buy talked about how we sat there instead of leaving a million dollar tip just said thank you and then we walked to our cars um, now, I'm not exactly sure why he placed such emphasis on the word walked, um, as if, like, I don't know, maybe, uh, like, Million Dollar Man usually, like, forces Virgil to, like, carry him to his car like a baby um, and place him in the backseat of the limousine um, that he rides in. Not really sure what the, uh, what, why the emphasis on walk. But, but, but what's uh, sort of being set up here is, like, interesting and, like, was, was kind of subtle. And then as soon as I sort of realized what, WWF was doing it like hit me like a ton of bricks Um, Monsoon follows up by saying I'm sure that you instilled a lot of things into Virgil that he before that time did not have Um, I'll just come right out and say it what they're doing here is um, they're doing the white savior trope Um, spoiler alert uh, there will be a a dramatic sort of turn of events uh, you know at the conclusion of this match um, wherein, I mean, I don't know if I, if we want to spoil it or, or, um, or wait until we get to that point in our, in our event. Um, but basically the, the whole sort of like backstory and setup of this is like, you know, Virgil being this, um, this manservant, uh, or let's just be Frank slave to million dollar man. Um, and, you know, quick reminder, uh, Virgil uh, came came in basically as so when Million Dollar Man debuted in 1987 in like May or or June of 87. Have we and right ha- from the, have we stated the obvious yet, which is Virgil is black? I, I oh yeah, I'm not sure if anyone is not familiar yeah, with if, with if, the if history. Anyone is of not these familiar with this and is listening to this podcast. We have serious questions as to why you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> but yes, yeah, stating, stating the the very important obvious fact here is virgil is black um and virgil is is million dollar man's quote-unquote bodyguard but really he's like a manservant and a slave like the sort of you know assumption is that well the the not assumption but the clear um uh um you know sort of message implication uh, yeah is that is that um 
Million Dollar Man does pay Virgil for his services. So technically not a slave, um, but but basically uh, by paying him um, a certain amount of money, uh, since everybody has a price, um, Million Dollar Man is able to use him and treat him as a slave. Um, and um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, we'll just sort of set that aside for now. So, um so the the sort of like build up to this um to this match is you know there's it's crazy because there's a whole separate feud between Rhodes and Million Dollar Man which I'm not even sure if we're going to have time to like get into um but that could also be like a whole other um tangent but let's just focus now on on Virgil so you know he'd been now um DiBiase's bodyguard slash slave for a long time uh since 1987 um, and I guess beginning like around mid 1990, they started sort of planting these seeds of Virgil being like just increasingly like more uh, like abused and exploited and like and just demeaned by by DiBiase. There's a promo where they walk onto some farm and Million Dollar Man steps in a pile of cow shit and forces Virgil to literally wipe the shit off of his boots. Oh no! Look at this! Look at this mess, Virgil! Clean it up! Go on, clean it up. Just like Virgil's cleaning up this mess at the Royal Rumble, I'm going to clean up the biggest mess of all, the Rhodes family. <laughs> a little more, a little more. You missed a spot. I mean, there's every single promo, you know, that, that's cut around this time. Uh, is just finding new ways to absolutely, like, you know, demean, dehumanize this man, Virgil, um, and, and just you know, just rub in the, in his face, the fact that he is, you know, beneath him and that he can make him do whatever he wants because he has this power over him because of his money. Um, so this is kind of like built up and built up and built up, um, to the point where by the time the Royal Rumble happens, like it's, it's pretty clear that Virgil is like not happy (laughs) with the situation (laughs) any longer. Um, and the question is like, you know, whether or not he's going to do anything about that. In a weird way, I feel like, I mean, um, we talked about this in an earlier episode. Million Dollar Man was, uh, as, as we have uh, learned in our research, Ben and Ghost, um, Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, really was the brainchild of Vince McMahon, the head of the WWF, and really was like a carbon copy, essentially, of v- Vince McMahon. If there was any wrestling gimmick that essentially was Vince McMahon, it was the Million Dollar Man which was sort of Correct. like this like ruthless billionaire who had no integrity and had no sense of shame and and that's not speculation on our part that's something that Vince yeah, has yeah. come out and that's like well that's known like documented WWF fact. lore yeah. of yeah. when Vince uh convinced DiBiase to come to the WWF in 87 he said in order to lure him away from his other, the other promotion that he was working for, um, AWA, I believe at the time, uh, or maybe but, it was Mid-South, I don't know. But anyway, Vince said, you're going to want to come over here uh, and work for me because I have this gimmick that if I were a wrestler, it would be the gimmick I would give myself. Right. And DiBiase was like, holy shit, okay, I'm in. And, and, and in the way that we talked about um, in our first episode, the kind of parallels between um, Donald Trump and the WWF where the sort of conceit was like, I will say this thing or I will do this thing and I'm going to push the limits to test the audience. Like, what are you willing to take? Like, what are you willing to accept? In a weird way, we have that kind of set up here with 
the Million Dollar Man and, and Virgil. And we, the audience, in, in a weird way, are kind of Virgil. And Million Dollar Man is sort of Vince McMahon and the WWF saying like, well, what are you willing to accept? Like, would you still root for me and still watch me even if I made you wipe cow shit off my boots? <laughs> would you still vote for me if I said X, Y, and Z about, you know, you know, the military veterans or handicapped people or immigrants or fill in the blank in the, in the case right. of Donald Trump. Um, so in, in it, I do think there are some parallels here between what, you know, Vince McMahon and the WWF were doing to us, the audience, and what Million Dollar Man was doing here with Virgil about like testing the limits of like acceptability. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I mean, yeah, we could, again, we could do yeah. entire episodes about like the just really awful shit that Million Dollar Man did. And obviously, like, as a character, like, yeah, he was a heel. But stuff that, like, nowadays you look at, um, I mean, we haven't talked at all about um, the character of Sapphire, um, who, that's kind of a deep cut for, for, you know, older wrestling fans. But Sapphire was Dusty Rhodes' manager, who started in the late 80s. Um, and she's a very interesting figure, which we don't have time to, like, fully explore, but we should at some point. But, um... But um, after managing Dusty Rhodes for a while, uh, Million Dollar Man um, literally stole her from Dusty Rhodes by buying her. You and every other common nickel and dime peon sitting here in the Philadelphia spectrum and watching from around the world, you've all got a price for the Million Dollar Man. My money can buy anybody or anything. And tonight, Rhodes, it has bought your humiliation. And if there's ever been a doubt in your mind or in anybody else's mind that what I say isn't true, then I want you to feast your eyes on my latest purchase. But, lock, stock, and barrel, here she is, the sweet sapphire. Oh, no. True? Does everybody have a price? I guess Sapphire certainly had her price. That explains why the heck I lost. Take a long, hard look. Open that bag, Sapphire. Show it. Take a look, Rhodes. It's a whole bag full of money. Who do you think gave her a bag full of money, Dusty? Who do you think bought this fur coat? Bought this diamond bracelet? Bought this diamond necklace, diamond ring, a trip around the world, and a Cadillac. Who but the million dollar man could afford to do it? <laughs> but don't be upset, Dusty. Don't be upset with Sweet Sapphire. Because she didn't do anything that any of you wouldn't do. She had her price. Just like all of you have your price, including you, common man, for the million dollar man. And Dusty Rhodes, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> we should note Sapphire is also an African-American. Um, and um, 
there were promos which I you know predated me as a as a wrestling fan, but so I only discovered the stuff in, uh, through like research. Um, but there are promos where Million Dollar Man is surrounded by Virgil and has Sapphire again, like and she, like boy, she like Sapphire is like such a a <laughs> difficult and um, and and kind of a tragic figure, um, uh, both in the kayfabe you know WWF world and in real life. Um, but anyway, there are promos where he has like Sapphire, like iron, like literally ironing his dollar bills. Is mere pocket change for the million dollar man. <laughs> Imagine the humiliation that Dusty Rhodes must have endured when I bought and paid for his former manager, Sapphire. But she's not yours anymore, Rhodes. She's mine. And look what she's doing for me now. She's ironing the very money I used to humiliate you. She had her price just like you have yours. Only we haven't ironed out what that is yet. <laughs> just like doing all these like awful, like menial, like chores and tasks for him. Um, and um, <laughs> yeah, so like Million Dollar Man, like, yeah, there's a lot of like very uncomfortable, like racial stuff um, uh, <laughs> that, uh, that, that you can delve into. Um, but so getting back to uh, Piper and Monsoon here, the fact that this is all set up not as Virgil deciding to, you know, deciding himself um, to, to, you know, whether or not to basically like gain his own independence. They, they have Piper, they, they, in my opinion, completely like unnecessarily um, inject Piper into the situation as like, as the white savior, as basically the guy um, who, you know, talks to Virgil and, and who and who gives him this idea. Um, you know, they don't come right out and say it, but they basically do. Monsoon says, I'm sure that you instilled a lot of things into Virgil that he before that time did not have. And I'm thinking like, uh, like, like what? Like dignity, pride, <laughs> like, like, like self value, like as a human, what do you, what do you, <laughs> what do you mean there exactly? Autonomy. Yeah. And Piper kind of like brushes it off as like, eh, friendly conversation. But as we'll go through the match, this is a point that was not just like, a little like riffing or like improvisation on the part of Monsoon and Piper. Like this was a key like little storyline, this like quote unquote lunch slash dindin that uh that Piper and Virgil had. So just like keep that in your in your mind as we go through this. Another um, thing about the dindin, Ben. Um yeah, like uh Piper is just bursting at the seams. He he can't help spilling the beans about what he knows is gonna transpire on this match. Mm-hmm. And I think he handles it very clunkily. I mean he's he's there sweating he's just kinda of falling apart at the seams Piper <laughs> is at this point. So yeah. I, he's getting a little sloppy in more ways than one in my opinion. Yeah. And he, uh, he starts kind that, of <laughs> yeah yeah there's a point there's a point later on where he actually says um and i think uh never mind i would not do that for any amount of money and i think never mind yeah yeah but you took the words right out of my mouth just, uh, yeah he just sheepishly goes i think uh never mind and then another thing he says is like it's so on the nose he's like uh oh yeah me and Virgil went to Dinden, and uh, one thing one thing we didn't order was crow. We definitely yes. don't want to eat crow. It's, it's so like uh, yeah, just in yeah. your face, and he's they make it more and more obvious yeah. as as the match progresses. Um, and now we should also a uh, quick backstory. Like Roddy Piper as an announcer in this um, in this event is really fascinating because normally, like, so the way that pay-per-view um, or like television events in general with WWF uh, work is the announcers, two men, usually a two-man booth, 
One man um, is the babyface announcer, and one man is the heel announcer. Just like in a wrestling match, they have a, a bad guy and a good guy. Monsoon, of course, is always the good guy. And usually he's paired with someone like Bobby the Brain Heenan or Jesse the Body Ventura, um, who were heel characters. And so Piper is basically in that role, although it's a little confusing and like ambiguous because of the fact that the <laughs> Gulf War has just begun and, and Piper has to be this like patriotic American. Um, he's not really a, a heel, but he sort of is um, like at, at different points. Um, and so it's like a little confusing, but his um, backstory in WWF was certainly that of a heel. He like later like t- turned uh, babyface. Um, but when he was like first really like um, becoming com- becoming big in like the you know 1984 85, he uh, he headlines like the first WrestleMania um, against Hogan um, and Mr T as like a big heel, um, and so he had a history of being like a really um, you know really really bad guy. And uh, specifically, <laughs> we've already noted um, some of his uh, some of his more you know racist comments on this uh, broadcast itself. Um, but when you think about like him being set up as this like white white savior to uh, you know to instill uh, Virgil with uh, you know with these moral values, um, I just want to quickly run through um, some of the uh, things that that Piper had done in the past, and um, this is quickly from uh, hang on from an article that David Shoemaker wrote, who's the Mask Man. Uh, I don't know if he still writes for Grantland uh, or uh, The Ringer, but um, anyway, um, uh, it's from an article a few years back. Rowdy Rowdy Piper, a Canadian who was billed to be from Glasgow, Scotland, was a one-stop shop for racial insensitivity. He became a top-tier villain in California early in his career by insulting the region's Latino community. He once insisted on making amends by playing the Mexican national anthem on his bagpipes, but he played La Cucaracha instead. (laughs) In the WWF, Piper exhibited a similar false apology when he invited Jimmy Snuka onto his Piper's Pit interview segment. Now, this is a very, very infamous... um, uh, moment in wrestling history. Are you guys familiar with the the Piper Pit Jimmy oh, Snuka yeah. coconut incident? Oh, actually, no. Yeah, this was one of the more disturbing um, and uncomfortable things uh, uh, that I've ever watched in in wrestling. Um, uh, Jimmy Snuka uh, invites, or sorry, Piper invites Jimmy Snuka, um, who is a you know a person of color from the Fiji Islands. Uh, onto his uh, Piper's Pit interview segment. This is back in 1980, like late, or no, like summer of 84. Um, and anyway, just uh, proceeds to like uh, absolutely um, destroy the guy, uh, it, you know, insults, just racial insults left and right, um, brings out a, a grocery bag full of uh, pineapples, uh, bananas, and coconuts, uh, one of which uh, coconuts he takes and smashes um, uh, onto the head of Snuka, um, and then rubs a banana in his face as he's on the ground, um, then takes off his belt and begins whipping him um, with his belt while calling him boy. Am I making fun of you? Whoa, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir.
we should note, like, Piper was playing a heel character, but back in those days, like, nothing was really scripted, um, and Piper was so gifted at improvisation, and, and, you know, his mic skills were such that they basically just let him, like, riff, um, just like, you know, he was in character, but they were like, just, you know, do, do your thing, man, you know, you know who you are. So a lot of this stuff was just, like, coming straight off the top of the dome uh, for Piper, um, uh, bup, 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 uh, yeah, let's see, like, later on, um, Piper once said that Mr. T's lips looked like a catcher's mitt, uh, and called T's fans monkeys, um, Jesus. at WrestleMania 6, he was wrestling Bad News Brown, who was presented as a black street thug, but who was actually half black, um, Piper, uh, came to the ring with his body painted half black down the middle, um, and yeah, so the, there was lots of stuff in his in his history and past, um, which is just extremely ironic um, uh, in light of him being being this figure who is uh, you know fighting on behalf of, of Virgil's freedom um, from Million Dollar Man. Um, so anyway, uh, with all that being said, um, all right, let's dive into the Sean Mooney interview here. So back in the locker room, we have Mooney interviewing Million Dollar Man. Million Dollar Man, tonight you will be facing the father and son tag team of Dusty and Dustin Rhodes. Now this is a team linked by blood, and I would say that is a very strong bond. <laughs> but we have yet to see yourself and Virgil as a tag team. How do you think your bodyguard is going to fare tonight in the ring? I'll tell you, little man, I think my bodyguard is gonna fare very well. Everybody wants to know why. Why does Virgil wipe the sweat from my brow? Why does Virgil polish my shoes? Why does Virgil clean the dung off my shoes? Why does Virgil massage my feet? Why does Virgil absorb any form of treatment that I feel fit to give him? This right here is why the almighty dollar I have bought a bodyguard. I have bought a tag team partner. I have bought the best that money can buy. And this right here is why Virgil will do it. And you, Dusty Rhodes, and that punk kitty yours are going to find out in just a few minutes. There is a bond thicker than blood, and that bond is the money of the million-dollar man. <laughs> DiBiase essentially uh, promises that his purchased bodyguard and partner Virgil will deliver tonight in the ring against Dustin and Dusty Rhodes. Ben, so the let's talk about the, the other guys here for a second. Uh, Dustin and Dusty Rhodes, they were essentially, uh, the gimmick with them was that they were father and son and that they essentially were like ordinary Joes. They were supposed to be honest, hardworking, blue-collar types. Yes, Vince McMahon yes. wanted to create characters that were relatable to ordinary Americans, your plumbers, your gas station workers, your cashiers and truck drivers, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the common man. Yeah. Ghost, I want to discuss with you here um, the contrasting styles between the two tag teams. Um, it really is like uh, essentially, you know, if you think about Virgil and Million Dollar Man over here and Dustin and, Dust Dustin and, and Dusty Rhodes over here, this really is essentially like a class war is that absolutely is, is that Chris. fair to say so we have the, <laughs> absolutely the upper class um, the upper class represented by million dollar man and his bodyguard against like lower to middle class america and in some way and, and in some ways guys i i know this might be a stretch but I, it really felt to me like upper class east coast elites yeah. versus like middle america yeah, once again, Chris, what we're seeing is Vince McMahon 
you know, for all his faults, he has this prescience about him in terms of tapping into the the culture of America and just throwing that red meat right into the cell and uh, letting the dogs, a.k.a. the fans of the WWE, just tear it apart and they eat it up. And this is like 30 years ahead of its time, uh, you know, the globalist elites versus, uh, you know, average Joe. Average Joe. Uh, working class Joe. You know, um, Marx, yeah. Karl, Karl Marx says that the hallmark uh, you know, the fundamental conflict of capitalist societies is the conflict of interest between the bourgeois and the proletariat. And that right. is effectively what is being dramatized here in the ring tonight, guys. 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Ghosts. So this all manifests and expresses itself stylistically and aesthetically with the ways with the way the these two tag teams kind of present themselves. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, the dress here. So on the one hand, we have Million Dollar Man and Virgil. Virgil in an absolutely gorgeous, uh, shimmering, silver and pink sequence, sleeveless tuxedo type getup. Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Sleeveless, yeah. And then we have uh, DiBiase wearing his trademark Million Dollar Belt in a sleek mm. black tuxedo type thing. Tr- uh, the trimming and the piping on this is gold. It has dollar signs. Ghost, give us a few thoughts giant, here. Giant gold lapels yeah. Yeah, with the dollar signs. Yeah, you give know, us some thoughts here on what, on what you see. It's just how I like it. I, I've expressed this to you guys before. Just absolute, on-the-nose, in-your-face symbols to represent so there's no ambiguity. I don't, you know, it's just this worked for me at 10. It works for me now, and it's like absolutely beautiful it's like he's got the scrooge mcduck like dollar symbols in bold font on both lapels and uh it's unmistakable this man represents uh greed and just absurd wealth and uh it's the shininess too it's just like every single marker they could come up with to indicate uh uh ostentatious display of wealth is there right for the taking you've got uh, million Dollar Man uh, bedazzled in gold, and obviously the second fiddle to gold is silver, and that's what we see Virgil, uh, you know, decked out in. So that really oh, shows wow. the hierarchy. That's a really good point. I didn't think about that. It's uh, it's, it's beautiful to and me then in a certain on, way. On the other side of the ledger, Ghost, we have Dustin and Dusty Rhodes, the American Dream from Austin, Texas. Dustin is wearing a sort of leather cowboy-like vest with the with the fringes. And then Dusty is just bare-chested. He is proudly on display, letting the whole world see his physique. Both men are blonde. Dusty has a pretty prominent mullet. Uh, Talk to us about the American dream, what you like here, Ghost, uh, with Dustin and uh, Dusty Rhodes. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know... Father, except for the the platinum blonde hair, this is like just you know a father and son going to. Uh, you could picture these two in their pickup truck going to work uh, to go uh, work on the roof all day. It's just lunch pail Joe and his son, and nothing could be more American. When you busted him open and he was laying out, then it became personal to a father. It became personal to a son. Then you say the kid can't laugh. 10 minutes with it. Well, next week, I'm going to be in his corner. I'm going to show you he can last the 10 minutes, baby. Teddy BS, you look at it, 6 foot 5, 260 pounds. And pal, next week, I'm going to show you that I can and will last 
10 minutes. Two average guys, average in physique at this point. Uh, Dusty's son hadn't really uh, toned. He was very, very young, so he hadn't really like gotten the physique going. They're just these average kind of looking, looking fellas. <laughs> they really are just like farm hands. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, yeah. Really, mm-hmm. they really are. Yeah. Look at the big smart on the kisser of the million dollar man. Ben, let's talk now about the match itself. So we have this uh, opening skirmish here. Look out! Oh, nice The Rhodes family are in control early in the match. And then Virgil and Million Dollar Man escape the ring. And, and then we have the Mikes picking up DiBiase, barking orders at Virgil. I want you to get in there and take that man out. Take him out now. Yeah, he is ordering Virgil around, um, you know, right from the get-go. And as the match starts, again, Hot Rod goes on this rant. You know, Hot Rod, just because you pay someone's salary does not give you the right to intimidate them, does not give you the right to strike them. No, sir. Does not give you the right to have them watch the doo-doo off your boats. I wouldn't do that for no... I have been... I have lived and slept on the street. I would not do that for any amount of money. He would never be like Virgil, you know, talking about, you know, wiping doo-doo off the boots. He says, I wouldn't do that. I have been dirt poor. I have lived and slept on the street. Right. Um, Now, I'm not sure if this is uh, true of the Roddy Piper character or if he's uh, just thinking about his his character from They Live. Um, That was kind of unclear to me. But uh, he says, I would not do that for any amount of money. Um, so what so, he's really yeah. doing is basically questioning the integrity of Virgil. Yes, basically, he is he, very is, clearly is signaling like a, a moral superiority um, that he has. Uh, yeah, he has a stronger moral fiber than this poor, exploited uh, African-American man. It's uh, a character in, assassination. In, basically, he's saying, hey, if I was this guy, I wouldn't do that. Look at him. Yes. Isn't that pathetic? Yes. And that's actually the point where uh, Hot Rod says, uh, <laughs> like he was maybe about to give away the big climax of the match. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Oh, one quick thing um, that I absolutely loved. Right before the match begins, um, first of all, we should note that um, DiBiase takes off his, his jacket of his tuxedo and the <laughs> You have shirt. all my notes. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. He just has a sleeveless, backless, like, uh, like, like shirt front. Um, so you're with, saying it's a bib. That's just like a bib. It's a, it's, it's a, a bib with bib. a bow tie. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, once again, I am um, uh, um, reminded of a Chippendale dancer. Um, and um, what can I say? He, the guy looks phenomenal. I mean, Ted DiBiase, like, we, yeah. should, um, we should probably note, you know, one of my favorite heels, if not my favorite heel, probably the greatest heel, certainly in this era uh, of, of WWF wrestling. Um, I mean, the guy literally did, like, he, the character is just so incredible and so amazing and it's all because he could pull it off he had that it factor um 
And well, um, while we're on the topic yeah. of DiBiase on DiBiase's look, at one point Piper says, "I forget it's in, if it's in the beginning of the match or the middle." He goes like, uh, "Look at him! He's wearing all black. That's what millionaires do, you know, like that, so they never have to like change out of their clothes." Oh do you, yeah, do you he was like, talking about? yeah, he like made a little dig that he was like cheap because yeah, he yeah, always yeah. wore the same like. He's black like, you can tell, you can tell him. he's cheap. He he only wears black. That's what millionaires yeah. do. It's like, yeah. okay, yeah. Yeah. And oh, but also, of those I love that um, black trunks. They're removed by uh, Virgil himself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know, so basically, this is not the first time this has happened. DiBiase basically extends his arm as if he's at the tailor's uh, to the left and right. Yeah, like he's Jesus span. Christ, basically. Yeah, like he's Jesus Christ, and he approaches Virgil as if this has been done a hundred times before, both in the ring and out, and Virgil just obediently removes the man's pantaloons. Yes, he, like, pops those pants off. Like, such a... <laughs> yeah, they, such I didn't know they had tearaway pants like this. I thought that was a thing of the late 90s. Yeah, so DiBiase uh, barks orders at Virgil. I want you to get in there, take that man out, take him out now. Of course, all of this is very strategically picked up by the mic so that you can mm-hmm. hear it. Um, Virgil gets back in the ring and he's really struggling here with Dustin Rhodes. He gets he gets tossed from the ring and then outside the ring, uh, Virgil takes another tongue lashing from Ted DiBiase. Embarrassing me in front of all these people. So DBS actually slaps Virgil in the face right. outside the ring after he uh, gets his clock cleaned a few times, and then Hot Rod says, "Hey, I bought dinner. Was it in vain?" Hey, I bought dinner. It wasn't in vain. <laughs> and I'm just like. Yeah, wow. dude. So wow. here's the here, here's the benefit of rewatching these things as an adult is that yeah. you sort of understand in hindsight that like you know that this is uh this is a story or a movie and like actually in this in the in the movie of this wrestling match Virgil is the protagonist. That's what all of this like sort of character assassination stuff is about. U- mm-hmm. Ultimately, this match is about like the character and uh, the constitution of Virgil. Like, what is he really made of? All this stuff, right. Roddy Roddy Piper sort of, you know, alluding to, like, taking him to lunch and, and, and saying that, like, you're better than this and Million Dollar Man humiliating him, all of it picked up on the microphones. Ultimately, this match is really about Virgil and, like, what he is willing to accept and not accept. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, it is, and yet it's almost, like, because of, of Piper's, like, insertion into the storyline, it's, like, awkwardly, like, he makes it about himself. Yes. <laughs> Which is just really, uh, just really, really amazing, uh, an amazing choice on the part of, uh, of WWF. So, so eventually, yeah, so uh, DiBiase uh, tags in, he gets in there, starts doing his thing, he says, I'll show you how it's done. Um, immediately goes to work on uh, on Dustin, nails him with the backdrop, and then my God, the the taunting that that uh, the DiBiase does, um, you know, after uh, Dustin's on the on the, you know flat on the mat. Whitman once again, backdrop, yes, he nailed him. Oh, 
you hear that? I didn't hear it. What did he say? That's your baby boy right there. Oh, man. Make that blood boil. He's taunting him here, Hot Rod. That's your baby boy right there. And he's like doing the little like hand gesture, like money, like finger gestures at him. Um, just incredible, incredible work by DiBiase. Um, then um, let's see, eventually uh, Dusty gets tagged in. Uh, we get to see that that beautiful flab of his in all its glory, just moving and shaking around. Um, I mean, boy, again, we could do an entire episode about Dusty and just like, wh- what a weird character um and i don't want to get too deep into into his backstory and his like uh, um arrival um into the wwf but there was a lot of like um um history between him and vince mcmahon um prior to his uh coming to the wwf since dusty worked for a rival promotion um and was not just a wrestler but like a booker and like a very like powerful guy um and um and vince you know there was a rivalry between them now, um, I don't know if you guys are aware of this little bit of trivia, but um, do you know what Dusty Rhodes's uh, real name is? Runnels, no. right? That's his last name. Do you know what his first name is? I guess I don't, no. His first name, guys, is Virgil. Dusty Rhodes's real name is Virgil. Right, right. right. Now... <laughs> There's been a lot of uh, speculation um, by wrestling fans about whether or not the character, the WWF character of Virgil, the slave of Million Dollar Man, was a rib at Dusty Rhodes. Um, you know, I would say Vince and 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 uh, you know mouthpieces of Vince have claimed no, it wasn't a rib. It was just you know happened to be a coincidence. But I think it's pretty clearly a rib. Um, Vince and and then there's like you know Dusty's whole character when he came into WWF like he was this like kind of common man man of the people type character and he was a huge star um in the south and in, in you know like in middle America um in the early and mid 80s feuded with Ric Flair um and was like massively popular for that like kind of common man um you know persona that he had that character that he had a uh, huge baby face um and when he was brought into wwf they used that but they also like kind of made him like the polka dot um uh uh you know uh tights and stuff that he would wear um a lot of it was like a little like like the way he they like kind of made him like dance and stuff was like kind of like what is he doing is he like he's kind of acting black and the way he talked which was authentic because um you know he came he did grow up very very poor in Texas um and his speech was like totally like that was just the way he talked um that wasn't part of his character but anyway he's just like a very kind of weird and 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 confusing uh character in his own right well i think it's fair Um, i think it's fair to say ben that like i mean the wwf was certainly uh it certainly trafficked in racism and 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 used racism to um exploited racism for narrative purposes um Mm -hmm. i i think that's you know pretty obvious and like well documented but i think also you know, we're learning through this match and through Dustin Rhodes that it also pretty clearly trafficked in like classism Mm -hmm. and that, um, you know, there, the WWF makes some pretty obvious like illusions here about like the value of people and that like rich people, like we all aspire to be rich and Mm -hmm. we don't want to be poor. And there is sort of a value judgment 
assigned to poor people, which is like poor people are embarrassing, like poor, poor people are silly, poor people are worth less than than rich people. When you have mm-hmm. a poor person, irrespective of their race, um, you can exploit them and humiliate them because they're worth less. And I think that is some of like what was happening here with with Dustin and, and Dusty Rhodes, the implication that they were worth less than the million dollar man. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. Yeah, I mean that was a huge part of 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 why like the their feud like the way it developed was the fact that Dusty was this common man and of course that's in some respects that's a you know, a positive thing, a common, you know, a man of the people, right. a common man. Um and that's why people loved him so much, but of course to in and you know, that same phrase um uh, you know, has a negative connotation of being like, oh, you're, you know, you're, you're a common person. Yeah. You're, 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 you're replaceable. You're, you're worthless. You're, you're base and vulgar, and and yeah, yeah right. You're just like a nobody. Um, and of course, that's how how it was uh, seen by by DiBiase. Um, now, so it's at one point in the match. Um, yeah, it's, so uh, Dream American Dream that is uh, um, Dusty is in there, and he's and he's getting some good moves in on uh, on, on DiBiase. He yeah. gets him in a sleeper hold. Um, now again and again, Virgil comes in um, and, and and saves his ass. And it's a sleeper. Hey, Virgil, Virgil's on that team. He's diving in the help. That's what he's supposed to do. He breaks up the sleeper hold at one point. Dusty uh, goes goes for a pin. Hooks the leg, and now once again it's Virgil. And uh, and Virgil uh, comes in and breaks it up. And then Monsoon says something. Hooks the leg, and now once again it's Virgil. Saving his master, so to speak. At least the million dollar man sees it that way. But yeah, Monsoon comes right out and says that Virgil is saving his master. Um, so, to so in speak, case there was. He goes, Here comes Virgil, saving his master. Dot, dot, yes. dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so to speak. So yes. To speak. And then least quickly, the million dollar man notes. sees it that way. Yeah, so the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Soon. That, was a, that was a moment. Um, yeah, Piper chimes in. If, That's what it takes to be a millionaire. I'll, I'll stay, stay poor. poor. Once again, um, signaling his, uh, his moral superiority um, over, <laughs> over this slave <laughs> um i mean i guess he's sort of signaling like he's he's superior to dibiase because he's saying i don't want to be a slave owner um so he's he's kind of like haven't like i don't know it's a little confusing exactly like what he's saying there but but basically yeah he doesn't like um and then <laughs> to kind of muddle things further he's he, piper then says i kind of like riding a jet ski instead of a yacht anyway gives me a little more freedom um, which mostly just made me think of Kenny Powers. No, no, uh-uh, get down. Get your ass down right now. Hop off there, blonde ambition tour. You cannot talk to my son that way. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> Got doo-doo and chocolate over his hands, ruining my goddamn handlebars. What's going on? Okay, Wayne was just sitting on his jet ski. And that's why you're swearing at him? I will continue to swear, Dustin. This jet ski ain't a goddamn toy. <laughs> yes, it is. Do you know what would happen if you would have dry-accelerated this jet ski on land? He would have ruined it. If you're really strapped for cash, sell the jet ski. I don't tell you what to do with your money. Don't fucking tell me what to do with mine, okay? And Cassie, do not stare at me with those dead eyes, you jerk bitch. Kenny, 
Instantly, I regret saying that. That was a horrible thing to say. It's just, I'm Teddy Powers, and I'm very upset with how I'm acting right now. I just have a very hard time expressing my emotions, and I can't stop from yelling. So I'm very sorry. I don't mean to offend you, Wayne. You have fucking pissed me off, but I'm just very upset right now. So I'm going to go ahead and go, but I'm not going to stop yelling because then that'll mean I lost the fight. So please leave a key under the mat. I love y'all very much. Peace out. Yeah. And I love also that, like, you know, he's this like he's he's presenting himself as this like guy who's like been poor and lived on the streets, but he also has a jet ski. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, whatever. There's, there's there's one moment I just want to call attention to that we've passed by at this point, And we're, we're kind of talking about some pretty heavy thematic stuff but i just want to point out there there there's a there's a moment where ted takes i know you guys remember this there there was a moment where ted takes a series of elbows back and mm. forth from dustin and and from dustin and dusty and i got to mm-hmm. say man this brought me so much joy this is really like high art physical comedy it's clowning Mm -hmm. at like its (laughs) finest it's silent film acting we're talking like charlie chaplin buster keaton dibiase is really selling it and i love this like i am in my element he is just full-on selling the elbows and um it's just such a delight i mean these guys were so talented as as actors as as you know like i said silent film actors as clowns as comedians um, they really yeah. knew how to sell the the gravity of the fight, but it was it was such a joy to to watch that performance. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, these, this is like a, a company full of like Buster Keatons, like just incredible. Like they're they're stuntmen, like they're literal like Hollywood stuntmen, yeah. but they're also the actors. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. It's it really is like it can't be said enough. Just like the talent. Um. That, that they brought uh, night in and night out. Um, so yeah, let, let, very well. Let, let's pick up where we left off. Uh, you know, so, so Piper says, if that's what it takes to be a millionaire, I'll stay poor. And then we have the moment where Dustin blows out his knee. Oh, boy. Nice move by Virgil to get out of the way there. Dusty really concerned about his son there. His son made an error. I think he blew that knee out. I think he did too, and I think uh, Dusty realized it right away. Tried to come in, maybe to stop it, I don't know. I think he blew that knee right out. Yeah. Yeah, he, you can tell he's definitely, he's definitely blowing that leg out. Got it, got it. And Virgil and Million Dollar Man go to work on it. They are just smashing yeah. it against a steel post. Virgil being very aggressive. They know they got a wheel blown. It's time to take the spokes out now. Excellent job being done by the million dollar man. And whoa, once again, those lateral collateral ligaments just grabbed into that steel post. And I mean, Mm. one very obvious observation that I have here, and it sort of goes along with the character, but something that was trademark of Million Dollar Man was like torture. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> not not just being not 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 just beating his opponent emotionally and physically, not just like embarrassing his opponent or embarrassing his bodyguard slave. It was really about like disgracing them. 
So rubbing it in their faces. Yeah. So in this like role play situation here, we are essentially seeing Virgil and Million Dollar Man trying to end the career of a guy by destroying his injured knee on live TV. Um, Right in front of his father. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. In front of his father while taunting his father. Yeah, I mean, so it's not, it was it's really, not just ugh. about like that. That was baked into the character is like, you're not just trying to win. You're trying to humiliate. You're not, you know, yes. like it, it's 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 something, frankly, like sadistic that that I would say is a character trait of the again, the character Billion Dollar Man, who, again, was a straight replica of Vince McMahon was like yeah. a sadistic cruelty clinical sociopath yes <laughs> um yeah a hundred percent yeah again just like dibiase's taunting as as uh, as dustin is you know writhing in pain on the mat uh you know looking at dusty and and just uh you know mercilessly mercilessly taunting him um and this is but not then just like this this is not like just like the suggestion that like he may have blown out his knee it's like you know monsoon and piper sort of announce it like oh he's blown out his knee you have, yeah, you have yeah, dustin yeah. sort of limping around the ring clearly he can't put any weight he can't put any weight <laughs> yeah, on yeah. his leg and like virgil <laughs> is straight up like stomping and kicking on his knee where it's like yeah they are literally trying to get this man's leg amputated or something it's it's yes disgusting. Yes. Yeah, Dr. Monsoon chimes in. Those lateral collateral ligaments just ran <laughs> into that steel post. Hey, let's. Yeah. Uh, I have a little bookkeeping to do. Um, last uh, time when we were ogling, speaking of parts of the body, we were ogling uh, the model Rick Martel's body, and we were talking about his back muscle showing from the front. I referred to the uh, <laughs> a latis- latissimus dorsi as the latissius dorsi, so I just wanted to get that on the record. Oh, thank you, Ghost. <laughs> Let, let, let's work here towards the end of the match uh, just yeah. for the sake of time. So very critically, um, we have Virgil accidentally clotheslining the Million Dollar Man. Yes, yes. Clearly an error. DiBiase's holding uh, Dustin. Um, Virgil comes in to, to clothesline. Dustin ducks out of the way, and Virgil clobbers uh, his, his master. Now, this is, a, um, this is a trope that we see, like, all the time in the WWE. Oh, sure. it, it, it's a very common thing, but the, the implications are that, uh, you know, you have this slave-servant character who has already irked his 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 master owner character throughout yeah. the match and then the f- already not not in the not not exactly in his good graces the straw yeah. that breaks the camel's back is that he accidentally clotheslines him takes him down and the reaction from virgil is sort of unmistakable he's like pleading oh my god he, he uh, looks like he's gonna he knows immediately that he fucked up yeah big time. he looks yeah. like he's gonna burst into tears he's slapping Ted <laughs> on the back oh my god he's apologizing he's making sure that he's okay and then dibiase um, dibiase just whips him with his arm and just goes to work kneeing him beats him up takes him by his his the trunk of his pants and just throws him out of the ring shockingly yeah i mean really yeah. shockingly
they're not going to stand up for yourself, that's what you're going to get, man. Yeah, that was that was yeah. You yeah, it was difficult to watch that. Uh a man beating his slave for uh making a mistake. It was a clearly a very honest mistake that Virgil was was very very uh, you know, um uh repentant for um but it, it no matter um DiBiase was not going to tolerate that and um yeah, uh so now it's 2 on 1. Um uh, Dusty's uh, wailing on Million Dollar Man, um, uh, but uh, but you know what? Because he is such a great wrestler, uh, DiBiase uh, reverses the a move. Rolls Dusty up for the pin. One, two, three. He wins the match all on his own. Um, because, uh, yeah, let's face it. He's a great wrestler. Um, you know, Virgil was just weighing him down. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. And, um, you know, he doesn't need his help anymore. Um, of course, as soon as the match is over, Dusty rushes over to just check on his son, uh, yeah. his knee, because he's, like, you know, such a good father. And DiBiase is standing in the in the middle of the ring, fuming. victorious, and now he has the mic in his he hands. He is fuming, and we have the moment here that will ultimately live in infamy. It will outlive, overshadow the actual match itself against the American Dream. DiBiase's got the mic, Ben, and Ghost. DiBiase's got oh. the mic, Conrad. Oh, boy. Well, this ought to be enlightening. If I said it once, I've said it a million times. Everybody has a price for the million dollar man. And nobody, nobody crosses the million dollar man without paying a price. And tonight, bro, you and that punk kid of yours paid the price. Now, Virgil. Get this ring and put it around my waist. Now! Boy, did I waste a dinner. Well, hey, I'm, I'm a Scotsman. It hurts hey, you know, Because money talks louder than anything. Oh my God. Million Dollar Man is demanding Virgil, you idiot. Get yes. get in this ring and put the million dollar belt around my waist. Yes. Now Virgil, you idiot. <laughs> the way he says idiot is just it's like a lot so of spice on that. What's that? A lot of spice on that idiot. So much spice. Yeah. Get in here, get my million dollar belt, get in this ring and put it around my waist now. The way he yells now. Meanwhile, Hot Rod reacts to this by saying Boy, did I waste a dinner, and I'm a Scotsman. It hurts me when I got to pay. <laughs> now, uh, meanwhile, Virgil is standing outside the ring because he was thrown there by his master. He is not happy. There is a scowl on that face. My goodness. Um, and I got to hand it to Virgil here. Um, uh, this is something that I forgot to note when they were back in the locker room before the match, but the side eye that he is 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 just you know burning into um into million dollar man yeah um is is really something 
um, Great million actor. dollar man standing there Great yelling. Actor. Yeah, he really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, DiBiase is yelling now, now. And the disdainful Monsoon. spit to the side is a nice little mm. cherry on top of that look, Ben. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's rubbing his mouth, rubbing his jaw, spitting. Um, there is a lot, a lot of tension in the air. Don't do it, Birch. I understand you got to keep the job. Oh, you know, baby, but... take your time. Get the bell. There comes a point. Uh, obviously, Virgil don't have no point. I wash my hands of it, man. One more lesson from the Million Dollar Man right here. Now get in here and wrap that thing around my waist. Hot Rod chimes in. There comes a point, but obviously Virgil don't have no point. I wash my hands of it. And I was like, Jesus, dude, like you, like, this is not like, yeah, I, again, like Hot Rod injecting himself into this situation over and over and over again, as if it's, you know, his job to... (laughs) Virgil was his project. Exactly. Exactly. Virgil was his project. For anyone to take the moral high... So well said, Ghost. For anyone to take the moral high ground, it's, it's really not Roddy Roddy Piper here. No, 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 no. Um, so Virgil gets in yeah. the ring with the belt. Ugh, he fit, gets in, squares off with Million Dollar Man eye to eye, and mm. Ghost he just drops that belt on the ground. Wrap it around my waist. Gonna be the story of your life, huh, Virgil? Need I remind you about your family, about your mother? Ugh. Ben, like, what? This is like a Shakespearean drama at this point. Yeah, I mean, we're seven-year-old boys. Like, like, what... What could we, what could we possibly make of this moment? Like I had no, I mean, I, we, we had no context for this. <laughs> I, I certainly didn't. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this no. made no. I mean, this is it was. Yeah, this was like, <laughs> yeah, it's certainly stuff that like I did not have the the tools to to really grapple with as a as an eight year old um, uh, watching on television next to my friend Ghost. Um, um, but it, but at the same time, I was, you know, it, it made sense. Like it, it was, it was the justification that was needed, um, to explain, you know, oh, like this, that's why he's been doing this for so long. Like, it's not that he doesn't have pride. It's not that he doesn't have, you know, self-worth or, or, or dignity or self-respect. It's like, yeah, no, he's being ex- absolutely exploited, um, uh, by, by this man, um, and um, and yeah, he's just rubbing it in his face in front of everyone. Um, Hot Rod's yelling at him. Gorilla Monsoon says, "How humiliating!" Um, and there's it's just like perfectly crafted storytelling. Like this, you know, this tension in the air of like, okay, he threw the belt down. Like I love the fact that they didn't go for the climax like immediately. That they drew it out in this way, yeah. um, where he throws the belt down, and you're like, yeah, he threw the belt down. Like, that's it. Like, he's going to walk out, and he's going to, like, get his freedom. 
But no, no, they draw it out. They, they, you know, they, they heighten the stakes even more. So there's this like, you know, um, this uncertainty, you know, what is he going to do? Is he going to, is he going to walk away or is he going to, you know, go and pick up that belt? Um, it's just perfect, perfect storytelling. It's so good. Um, and then of course, after this, you know, this, this, uh, moment is, 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 you know, when, is, is just sitting there, you know, in the air, what is he going to do? Virgil drops to his knee. What are you going to need it for the rest of your life? How humiliated. Drops um, to his knee. And you're just like, oh, oh my God. God. He's, Ted has broken Ugh. him again. You know, Ted DiBiase's broken him again. And, and, and Virgil, I guess, is just going to fall in line. And then, yeah, ben, after all he's gone through, Ben yep. and Ghost out of nowhere. That's right. That is That's a- right. Like I always say, everybody's got a price. Virgil takes the belt and smashes DiBiase in the head with it. And Piper... He literally rises up. Piper just (laughs) loses it. I love it. Yes. You're beautiful. Yeah, yeah, You're beautiful. All right. He says, you're beautiful. I take it all... He says... (laughs) He says, I take it all back, Virgil. (laughs) You're beautiful. Oh. Um... Yeah, it's just, uh, and then and then Gorilla Monsoon chimes in. He got the message, meaning Hot Rod's message, like as if Not, like he was, you know, it was it was in question about whether he'd be able to pick up on the uh, the great great lessons that Hot Rod was dispensing, <laughs> wasting his own time and effort and energies, yeah, to, paying uh, for dinner, <laughs> yeah, all the all the work that he had put into saving this poor man who couldn't save himself. <laughs> Um, yeah, just a vessel to be filled with the knowledge of Hot Rod. Uh, <laughs> wow, it, yeah. it didn't all go to waste. Oh my God, yeah. And Hot Rod, I mean, it sounds like he's like sobbing into the mic. He is so happy um, that yes. that that his little his little project, his project. Has, has come to fruition here. Um, yeah, it's just incredible. Um, uh, Did we decode yeah. what skim milk means? Did I miss that? Or is there any consensus on what the hell he's actually referring to when he talks about skim milk? Because I have a few theories. Go ahead. Do you? Oh, please. Yeah, I please. think it's cocaine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really do. Go listen to every instance of it, and it works. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that's spot on. It's, it's something I thought about too. Yeah, I guess um, I never really quite put two and two together there, but um, 
but yeah, I mean that 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 mm, that lines up a little bit. No I pun mean, intended. The right, whole guys. night he's just undressing himself, sweating, speaking in yes. these emotional superlatives and talking about schema. I think it just has to be. But I just had to blurt that out. Yeah, no, I th- I think that's spot on. <laughs> that's a very strong theory. Let's talk. Um, let's talk for a couple minutes here before we move on to the rest of the evening. Just about the million dollar man and the WWF and they're kind of naked open use of racism and dramatizing the history of racism for entertainment. I mean, it's like a very weird, strange, morally ambiguous thing. Ben, I, I, I don't know if we have time to really dive into Sapphire and talk more broadly about that. It's all a very tricky subject, but the thing is like we see movies and plays. I was thinking about this. We see movies and plays and TV shows where, you know, where racism is dramatized and racist behavior is dramatized and we're okay with it. And some of that art, you know, and entertainment is really powerful and really good and it's really important and we give it awards. Um, But what the WWF did feels different and I can't totally (laughs) put my finger on why. And maybe is it, is it because like we know, the values of the man behind everything, Vince McMahon. We know like what he is all about. Like this is a guy that exploited war and death for his personal entertainment and profit. And you know, it 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 felt to me a bit like the same way that Donald Trump liked to talk about himself and present himself as this hero to African Americans in the United States while he was actively working to undermine them and disenfranchise them. It just felt like it felt dirty what the WWF was doing here. And I, I'm wondering um, if you guys have any, any other thoughts on it. Well, yeah, of course it was dirty. It's, it's professional wrestling. Um, and in a way that almost makes me like, it's very difficult. And I think, um, I think if you try to view professional wrestling through the same moral lens that you view everything else in life, it's just, it's just not, it just doesn't work. Like you right. can't like you you can do it certainly. Um, but you're I mean, it's very easy. But you're always just and yeah and and I think I mean I don't want to give the them too much credit. Like I don't think that they were you know it's not like a bunch of you know woke people who are who are doing this to like prove a point. No, it's just a a dirty cheap vulgar entertainment. That's what it's always been, um, and that's what it is. And so in some ways, I'm kind of like. It is what it is. Like I can't, I can't come out and like blast the WWF for uh, being exploitative and racist because like that's exactly what wrestling is. It's supposed to be dirty and cheap and gross and um, and 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 not feel right. Um, so, like in some ways, it's like you can't really like you have to almost just view them in like a like a through like an amoral lens through this like vacuum. Um, that being said, like. You know, I don't. You can you can view it that way now as a, as a as a much more conscious and and you know sort of aware adult. Um, but as a kid, like obviously, like <laughs> you didn't have any of that um, that frame of, of, yeah. of reference or mind. So you're just kind of like, wow, like maybe that's the <laughs> this is really fucked up. And maybe that's kind of the feels- critical point is that like the audience here is the seven and eight year old versions of us, not the thirty year old versions of us. So like. Yeah. You know, the the 30-something versions of us can look at this product with a lot of clarity in hindsight and just be like, 
yeah, this was really morally reprehensible and terrible. And uh, I'm glad that we have like the the awareness to kind of call it as we see it now. But the fact is like we were consuming this and inhaling this and cheering for this and paying for this and crying tears of ecstasy and agony about all this stuff as seven, eight-year-old kids. And, you know, that has an effect on your psyche, right? Yeah, yeah. It turns out it's actually very, very potent, very powerful, emotionally manipulative, powerful stuff if you don't, you know, have the, the full set of tools to, like, deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, um, but, yeah, that's that's what wrestling is. That's what it's always been. Um, so, yeah. Um, but, yeah, certainly like, looking back at this stuff in hindsight, um, yeah, there's there's a lot, a lot of, uh, of questionable... And uh, pretty disturbing stuff uh, was that, any, that they did. Do you guys remember, was there any sort of like parental warning on any of this content that we watched? Oh, hell no. Of course not. I don't not. think no so. Yeah. I no. do not think so. No, no. I do. Certainly, certainly not. Yeah. Yeah. I really like, I've thought a few times at, uh, at various points of like, getting my my parents uh like memories of this like i don't i don't think they like watched it with us no. ghost do you remember like my parents being there i'm pretty sure i don't sure. have Maybe. a big recollection of that ben um i uh, you know what i do remember is like your dad consulting you like i i remember saying like sharing with you my aspirations oh i'd like to be a wrestler and then uh you <laughs> sharing with me that your dad shared with you just like he just he, he cut your dreams down uh as an eight-year-old boy he just said son you're not going to be big enough to be a wrestler oh, wow. and he, i just remember like wow that was, i mean that was actually very cool because you know it, your dad was kicking it to you real he just laid out the bare damn facts killed your dream and uh, he saved you possibly from a life of just misguided pursuit of this. Uh, Wait, go. So it was like purely practical. It wasn't very sort practical. Of, it yeah, wasn't, it no, wasn't like a. It's a morally reprehensive lifestyle. It was more just like I'm sorry. Not. You're not. No, gonna, I just wasn't big enough. Not, if I had been big enough, Doctor Craw was <laughs> in the. It was in the business of assessing, you know, animals. So he could size up an animal, for, and his own son was an animal. And he said, <laughs> "Son, you're just not going to have the power in the hindquarters and the upper." body you're not going to be rick martell you're not going to be big enough but if he didn't he pass any judgment on me he left builder. it open for me i was never uh you know dr craw never cut me out of the equation for possibly being a wrestler one day but his own son he absolutely closed that door off that was foreclosed for his own oh my son. god that's, that's all completely new i mean i clearly repressed this memory um yeah it I happened not, i it didn't, happened, didn't recall any of that yeah my dad for the record is a was a uh veterinarian he's since retired but um but yeah that sounds like a uh, a really accurate recollection there um, <laughs> oh it happened wow wow um i love that you can listen to switch, switch. 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 switch.